So I have been speaking to a few brides to be and also to those who are brides in this church and I've been asking them the question how are you preparing for your big day or how did you prepare for your big day you know weddings are important weddings are big things here in India we love the celebration we love the function so i just wanted to find out from them how they went about preparing for their big day and these are some of the answers that i got so i'd like to read them out to you so one says i had to rewire myself to consider marriage as something good for me i had to make a paradigm shift in thinking from being single to being married from i to we this shift did not come readily but was only possible when i made a conscious choice it took about 6 months for me to realize that the key to a godly marriage was in this thinking of togetherness some of the other girls went through premarital counseling they worked on losing weight very important factor because you have to fit into the dress so losing weight making guest lists budget plans planning for the honeymoon etc one was in arranged marriage and she said it was quite different here there was lot of enthusiasm and interest from the whole family shopping packing etc uncles aunt the extended family everyone got involved it was a big family function you know how you wait for this family function just to have fun and enjoy most of them fasted and prayed thank god adonai brides fast and pray most of them fasted and prayed one emphasized i learned to cook i learned how to manage home i learned to adjust to the in-laws how do you adjust to in-laws big thing that is and there was nervousness but i decided to have faith getting clothes ready wedding rings a lot of to-do lists many hours spent in getting things done as always there's a lot of stress when it comes to marriage as much as we look forward to the big day there's a lot of stress and keeping the family at peace so no unnecessary incident takes place one said the focus was more on the wedding day than our marriage itself today i really wish as we were preparing for the big day we could have taken a moment or two to pull back and focus on the big picture of the journey that we were about to embark upon isn't that so true we are so caught up with the wedding day but the journey ahead we forget to focus on that and so they say i wish we had focused on that so in all what we see common here amongst the brides to be and the bride we find is a preparation there is a preparation there is time involved in the preparation there is energy that is used there is money that is spent for this there is a lot of thinking involved planning that needs to be done and finally it's all about looking good being the best for that one day for that one event isn't that what most weddings are looking good planning everything so much put for that one day for that one event let's shift focus now there's another wedding that's going to happen 
And I want you to get excited about this wedding. There's going to be a huge feast. And this wedding, I wonder how many of us are preparing for it. The Bible says, the Lord Jesus is coming back for his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And the Lord Jesus is coming back for the church, his bride. And there's going to be a marriage supper. There's going to be a feast. And how many of us are ready for this marriage supper? In the in Jewish time, in Jewish culture, in old times, there were two ceremonies when it came to weddings. One was a betrothal, and the second one was the marriage. So there were two ceremonies: betrothal and marriage. So betrothal is the time when the the bridegroom gets engaged to the girl. And there is a contract that is made. That contract is called ketubah. Now this contract says, the bridegroom says, I am paying money and I am buying the wife. I am paying money for her because the father has provided for her, taken care of her, everything. Now I am paying money for her and I am taking her as my own. So that's what the engagement period is. And when he pays that money, the woman then takes time and gets ready. So between the betrothal and the marriage function, the second function is the marriage function. Between the two, there's almost a year's gap. One year it takes. This whole year, the, the woman spends her time preparing herself. So that's how the Jewish wedding was. A betrothal, an engagement, a dowry that's been paid, a money that's being paid, and a contract made saying, this now is going to be my bride. And the bride then begins to prepare herself. And she begins to look forward to a wedding day and she is eagerly waiting in anticipation for that day. And then comes the marriage function. And when the marriage takes place, that's when consummation happens. That's the actual marriage. So, in, in those times, this is how they prepared themselves. Now, let's look at Hosea chapter 2. Verses 19 to 20. Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. And in this chapter, Hosea says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. In other words, God is speaking, saying, speaking to the church, saying, I'm going to get engaged to you. I'm going to betroth you. I'm going to sign up a contract buying you so that I can marry you later. And that is what he's saying. I'm going to do that. But if you see 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2, it says, for I am jealous. Paul over here says, and i am used the New Living Translation. He says, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I have betrothed or promised. NKGV says, I have betrothed. NLT says, I have promised you as a pure, chaste bride to one husband, that is Christ. So here Paul is saying, I am jealous for you because I betrothed you to Christ. Hosea said, I will betroth you. 
Paul is saying, I have betrothed you. In other words, in the Old Testament, he was speaking of an event that's going to happen. Paul is speaking about an event that has already happened. Do you know the betrothal ceremony has taken place? When was that? When was the betrothal ceremony taking place? On the cross. On the cross. The bridegroom paid the price for his bride. And it was not just gold and silver. It was not just money. But it was his own life. His own blood that he shed. That was the price that he paid for the church. That was the price that he paid for his bride. So in this period of waiting, what do we do? We've been betrothed. Christ has already paid the price for us. What do we do in this period now of waiting before the marriage? So the first point that I get is from this verse itself, which is being set apart for him. In the period of preparation between betrothal and marriage, waiting, it is being set apart for him. So one of the reasons for betrothal is to say that the woman has been set aside. She cannot belong to another. She is set apart to be pure. No other man will look at her because they know she's betrothed. That's why even Mary said, how can this be? For I am betrothed to another man. I'm already been given away to another man. How can this be during the birth of Jesus? Then that's how serious they took the betrothal ceremony where they set themselves apart as being pure, as being chaste. And so we are betrothed, being set apart as a chaste virgin. The price has been paid. The blood of the lamb has separated us from the world and we have been rescued by the blood of the lamb. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse 3 says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. This is what Paul is saying. I fear. Yes, I have betrothed you to Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. So Paul here is saying, Eve was in the presence of God. Eve knew God. Eve fellowshiped with God. But yet when the enemy came, she got deceived. In the very presence of God, she was distracted and deceived. And he's saying now to the church, church, you have been rescued. You have been brought out of darkness. You've been purchased by blood. You've been ransomed. But I fear somehow now, instead of being chaste and pure, the enemy will distract you. The enemy will rob your devotion to Christ. Now, devotion is a word that is used between husband and wife. A man's devotion to his wife, a wife's devotion to a husband. It's a word used in marriage. And he's talking about the same word, the same language. Devotion is a language spoken in marriage. And he's saying, you have, he wants us to have a pure devotion to Christ. Devoted to Christ. Adoring him. Adoring him. That's the way we need to be. And he says the enemy may try to distract you just as he distracted you. This was Paul's fear that it will occur in the church. The bride of Christ today, instead of devotion, we find there is a distraction by the world around her. 
how easily we get distracted how easily we fall into the ways of the world how easily we get carried away how easily we give in to compromise why because everyone around us is doing it we forget that we've been separated we forget that we've been called to be chaste and pure but because of the pressures around us we easily give in to distraction and to the deception of the enemy remember when satan came to eve it looked good and it meant it it felt like wisdom will come from it and today it's the same thing that the world is offering it looks good oh it's just great and you think there's wisdom and logic in it but it can distract us and deceive us from the purpose of god in ephesians chapter 5 paul talks about marriage he talks of the relationship of husband and wife and then he comes to it and he says he says but i am talking about christ and the church he talks about marriage but then he says i'm talking about christ and the church ephesians 5 32 he says this is a great mystery and i speak concerning christ and the church and he brings out the fact that christ is the head of the church he is the savior of the body the church is subject to christ verse 25 says christ also loved the church and gave himself for her why did he do it why did he love the church so much and give himself to her so that he might sanctify or set her apart and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he may present her to himself a glorious church christ today is sanctifying his church christ today is preparing his church how by the washing of water of his word the revelation of god's word sunday by sunday we come here not just to be entertained we come here not just to hear a few words and go we come here to allow the word of god to minister to us we come here to let the word of god wash us cleanse us we come here to have a revelation of not just uh, what church is about but who god is we come here for that so that we may be washed that we may be presented to him as a glorious church not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy without blemish no bride wants her dress to be defiled no bride wants a spot on her dress no bride would like any stain to be on her dress or she would panic panic Recently I had a bride one button fell off from the dress and there were so many button actually you couldn't even make out it's fallen but she panicked so much why my dress is gone oh i don't know but yet the bride of christ today when you look at it it's far from being without spot or without wrinkle but, but see what the lord says that he is going to sanctify himself to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish the church is not a building if you think you came to church to a building forget it the church is people people we are the church 
The church is not a place you go to. The church is who you are. The church is not just on Sunday morning. The church is what you are from Monday to Friday. And what you present to the world is what they're going to think the church is. We are the bride of Christ. Revelations 21.9 says, Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride. The lamb's wife. The lamb's wife. I will show you the bride. The lamb's wife. Who is the lamb? We sang about him this morning. Jesus. He is the bridegroom. Who is going to come back for his church. The bride. The church today may be imperfect. You know one of the reasons why I am sharing this word. We have been traveling a lot. We go from places to places. We've been ministering with so many people. But one of the things that we, we come back rejoicing, we are so happy to see what God does in the lives of people. To see the Holy Spirit touching and transforming people. But we come back with such sadness and pain when we see the state of the church. And every meeting, that's what has hit me. I come back and then I'm crying out to God, God, what is the state of your church Where are the shepherds today? Where are those to heal the brokenhearted? It is in the church that people are unhealed. It's in the church that people are depressed. It's in the church there are sick people. It's in the church there are lonely people. What has happened? The church is supposed to be an answer to the world. We have to bring the people out there with hopelessness, with depression. Bring them into the church. Give them a hope. But instead it is in the church you're seeing all this pain. And when you hear of where pastors are abusing their congregation, when you hear of the immorality, when you hear of the adultery, when you hear of the corruption that's in the church, your heart breaks. I don't know about you, but we come back crying for the church of God. We come back crying and I've been crying. I said, Lord, how will you get this bride that is spotless and without wrinkle? You look at the church. It's far from that, Lord. How are you going to? That was my question. How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? And that's when one morning I got up and when Victor said to share, there was no other. This was the only thing that kept coming to me. Share about the bride of Christ. Share. I said, Lord, I don't know theology. I don't know anything about the bride of Christ, the marriage of the Lamb. I'm not aware of it. He says, just share what I put on your heart. And I had a dream that said, I saw Noah's ark in my dream. I was surprised, Noah's ark. And I got up, it says, in the last day, so shall it be like the days of Noah. With that verse, I got up. And I knew it was talking about the last day. The end time, I said, Lord, you really want me to speak on the bride of Christ? You know, everything in me is so hesitant. And then I get a message from one of the ministry team people. She says, I saw you standing and speaking to people. And you were saying, heaven's doors are going to close. Get ready. I knew it was a confirmation. I knew it was a confirmation. Church, the Lord is speaking something. The Spirit of God is saying something to us. And He wants us to get ready for the marriage of the Lamb. He wants us as the bride of Christ to get ready. The church has, is imperfect. It has its flaws. It's fallen short. But nevertheless, she is still the bride of Christ. And she is good enough for him. She is good enough for Jesus Christ. She's good enough for him. He loves her. 
and he came to the earth for his bride we read a lot of love stories the cinderella stories touches our heart when you hear the wicked stepmother and the wicked sisters and you're so happy when that prince comes and finally finds her wow how sweet oh she's now happy with that prince forevermore and they lived happily ever after wow we feel so nice with those stories we look forward to that knight in shining armor who'll come and just sweep us off our feet and wow what a day that will be just being swept we love those love stories but the greatest love story of all times is still to happen the greatest love story of all times where the lamb who gave himself for his bride is going to come back in all his splendor he is going to be clothed in majesty he is going to be coming back for his bride he is going to be coming back for his bride that's going to be the greatest love story of all times to take his bride to be with him forever in a place where there's no more pain no more suffering no more struggling he is coming back for the bride and the bible says there's going to be a wedding feast at the marriage of the lamb and through the ages the enemy has tried to destroy the church secular society has tried to abolish the church when you look at her she may be marred despised looked down on persecuted and crushed but her lover the lord jesus is behind the scene preparing a bride for himself a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle on that great day when he comes the bride will rise in all her splendor she will arise what did jesus do for the church he was born for the church he prayed for the church he was bruised and beaten he suffered pain for the church he died for the church he rose again for the church to give her authority and he's coming back for the church his bride that's what jesus has done for his church so let us be devoted to him and not be distracted by this life let us set ourselves apart and be chaste and pure for this bridegroom as a bride of christ set ourselves apart and be pure the second point we need to do for preparation is clothe ourselves with deeds of righteousness in this time of waiting before he comes back for the marriage clothe yourselves with deeds of righteousness revelation chapter 19 6 to 8 says and i heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the lord god omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints the dress that the bride will wear is the righteous acts of the saints in other words everything we do whether small or big every little act of service is actually getting the bridal dress ready getting the bridal dress ready you may be doing something so small 
something so insignificant but whatever you are doing you are doing acts or deeds of righteousness you're clothing yourself with deeds of righteousness one of the most important thing in a wedding is the bride gown and she is looking for the best gown she spends a lot of money she doesn't mind the money so much of energy for that perfect dress why for that one day for that one event in the same way christ's bride is arrayed in fine linen made himself ready made herself ready with righteousness done with a pure heart out of pure motives working for the lord serving the lord with a pure heart with pure motives not for self not for prominence not because of a performance not to boast but with pure heart and pure motives serving the lord not for selfish gain serving the lord revelation 21:2 says then i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband when the church is ready when the church gets her act together the lord will come the bride will come in jesus in matthew 24 he talks a lot about the end time matthew 24 25 please go back home and read it he talks a lot about the end times and the disciples they privately call jesus when he was on the mount of olives sitting over there they privately come to him and they say jesus tell us when is this going to happen when is the end going to happen you're talking about the end when is it going to happen and jesus says the hour no the day or the hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven but my father only but as the days of noah were so also will the coming of the son of man be for as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the son of man be in other words when noah was building the ark they ridiculed him they said noah what are you doing building such a big boat where are you going sailing what are you going to do with such a big boat when he said the floods would come god will destroy the world nobody heeded him why because they were so caught up in living their own lives that's what it says eating and drinking and marrying and getting married they were caught up in their own lives living their own self indulgent life but the rain surely came the rain surely came as the lord spoke and every one of them was destroyed except noah and his family so also will be the coming of the son of man we hear that constantly jesus is coming jesus is coming right from 2000 jesus is right from the early years 2000 years ago jesus is coming jesus is coming so much so we got so used to it we don't even take heed about it but believe me church we are in end times when you look at it it is like the days of noah today self indulgent lives like it was in sodom and gomorrah fighting for human rights fighting for things that are ungodly and the church is also joining in 
We never know the hour when the Son of Man will come. Saints of God, people did not heed Noah. They ridiculed him. But the rain surely came and they were destroyed. Let us not get caught up with ourselves, eating and drinking, living for ourselves. But let us get ready with deeds of righteousness. Not to earn our salvation. The deeds of righteousness is not so that we'll earn the favor of God. In most religions, you do deeds of good works to earn the favor of God. But here, this is not about earning salvation. Salvation is a free gift. But the reason we do deeds of righteousness is because we have received salvation and we display the heart of our God. Our works display who God is. He is a kind God. He is a generous God. He is a God of compassion. He is a God of mercy. He is a forgiving God, encouraging God. And so our service should be the same. Displaying who our Father is, representing Him. Like I said, the church is not just on a Sunday. The church is what we are right through the week. Displaying the deeds of God. So let us clothe ourselves with deeds of righteousness. In, in Matthew 24, 48 to 50, Jesus speaks about the faithful servant and the evil servant. The faithful servant is busy doing what the master has asked him to do. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying in his coming. And begins to beat his fellow servants or exploit people. And to eat and drink with the drunkards. I don't know why every passage which Jesus spoke about in the end times had something to do with eating and drinking, eating and drinking, eating and drinking. And I look at it, isn't society about that today? So much of time is about eating and drinking. Bangalore culture is all about eating out. And of course the pub culture is growing and even the church is enjoying it. And the master... Coming back to that verse. And to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of. The result is there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that hour. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be a regret, a deep regret. I wish, I wish I was not into it. I wish it was. Don't let us come to that place of regret. Matthew 25, he goes on after talking about the wise servant and the foolish servant. He talks about the talents. Again, it's about doing. He says to one is given five, to one is given two. To multiply, use up whatever God has blessed you with, to use it for him. Don't just sit back on the talents. Don't just think it is for yourself, but use it for him. That's what the Lord wants us to do. He talks about the talent. And then he goes on in Matthew 35, 25. To verse 37 and 40. And there he talks about the sheep and the goats. On the last day when he comes. He will separate for himself the sheep and the goats. He will separate for themselves. And the king will say to those on his right hand. That is to the sheep. He will say. Come you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me. I was, gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. 
then the righteous will answer him and say lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink when did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you and the king will answer and say to them assuredly i say to you in as much as you did to one of the least of these my brethren you did it to me you did it to me whatever little act of service whatever little deed of service you do people may notice or not notice you're not doing it for the sake of people you're not doing it to get a pat on your shoulder whatever act of service you do it will be recorded it will be recorded and you will be rewarded in our preparation of waiting for the bride let us get involved in acts of service deeds of righteousness for the master here are a few examples that christians have done down the ages that people have done in fact no single group has contributed to education like christians have in the past the missionaries came and established school it's the christians who brought school in no single group has contributed to healthcare the way christians have no single group has contributed to welfare and protection of children as christians have who are the ones who fought slavery fought slave trade it was the christians who are the ones who are contributing to charity it's the christians even sati in our nation it was william carey and will william wilberforce together who began to speak against it it's the christians what are we doing today what is the church doing today we are we living self indulgent life happy me and my family are all right going to work coming back is that all are we going to become a voice once again are we going to become the arms of god once again are we going to live for him do deeds of righteousness for him we need to prepare ourselves for the wedding the great day where we'll be dressed in fine linen and finally we need to live a life in the holy spirit matthew 24 talks about the wise and the foolish virgins living a life full of the holy spirit you know the story of the wise and the foolish virgins 10 virgins were looking forward for the bridegroom's coming each of them had a lamp their lamps were lit but the coming of the bridegroom was delayed and so let's see what happened as we look at it talks about the kingdom of heaven is like this 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom and there was a delay so they all slumbered and slept and at midnight a cry was heard behold the bridegroom is coming go out to meet him then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but the wise answered saying no lest there should not be enough for us and you but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself and while they went to buy the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding 
and the door was shut afterwards the other virgins came also saying lord lord open to us but he answered and said assuredly i say to you i do not know you watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming we do not know the hour the son of man is coming but we need to be prepared and ready for the coming of the son of man as we wait for the bridegroom the oil here signifies signifies the holy spirit may we always be full of the holy spirit may we live in the holy spirit may we let the holy spirit be the one leading and directing our lives that's what the oil talks about may we be ready and prepared the holy spirit shouldn't be just an event or one time thing where you speak in tongues or one meeting where you speak in tongues no it's not about that living a life every day living in the holy spirit being filled with him having his knowledge knowing the heart of god moving through him in the days of old that's how the apostles were in him they lived in him they moved in him they had their being their very existence was in the holy spirit and today apart from him we can do nothing whether it's deeds of righteousness or setting ourselves apart we can do nothing without the holy spirit we need him and so in these last days may we live in the holy spirit may we be so full of him Is it possible to live life like that? Yes. But it takes a conscious choice on our part. It takes a conscious choice. Say, Lord, today I want to live in your spirit. Today I want to be full of you. I want to think the way you think. I want to do what you want me to do. It's a conscious choice that we need to make. The first time Jesus came to the earth, he came as a baby born in humanity. to save the world but when jesus christ comes again he comes as a bridegroom for his church christ is coming back for his bride the church let us be ready these are the three points I want you to keep it in mind set yourself apart for him to be chased be clothed with deeds of righteousness live a life in the holy spirit Christ loved the church he gave himself for her to present her to himself as a radiant glorious bride that's what is every bride on a wedding day separates herself she goes away to the parlor she gets ready she doesn't want the bridegroom to see her she doesn't want anyone else to see her she's busy getting ready for that day there's so much happening around they go away to the parlor you know i've seen so many brides victor has conducted 99 weddings in adenai waiting to see who's the 100th one okay i've seen so many brides here and i've seen how they've been involved how they get ready i've seen that you know i've seen many of them grow in this church and i've seen them in their jeans and thing how they look during their days but on that wedding day my goodness though they dress themselves up they are so particular everything is so well done they go to the parlor they look their best 
And as the pastor stands here and says, here comes the bride, let's all stand and receive her. Every eye turns to her. Every eye turns to her. And suddenly you see this person you've seen all around come walking through that door and you almost can't recognize her. Because she looks so beautiful, so radiant, so glorious. I'm yet to see an ugly bride in Adonai. I've never seen an ugly bride. Every bride is so beautiful and all eyes are on her. Even the bridegroom is surprised. So many bridegroom are surprised. If you've come to the encounter, you heard Raghu talking about it. He had all the tension of his marriage, his father not wanting to come, all the drama that was happening around him, everything, and he's wondering what, and all of this. Here he was sitting, nervous. But the moment Subhashni stepped in through the door and started walking, he said, wow. And he forgot about everything else. There was only love for the bride. That, my friend, is how the church is going to be when the bridegroom will come in all his splendor. His bride will be radiant and glorious without a spot or wrinkle, united with him forever. Revelation 22 says this, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Till his coming, may we get ready and prepared for this great reunion of the Lamb and his bride. Revelations 22, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I am coming quickly. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus.